passion for God and compassion for our neighbor, reaching our region and beyond with the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. This is Crosswinds Church. And now, here's Pastor Kurt Truxas. Well, this morning is a Vision Sunday here at Crosswinds. And about once a year, what I like to do is talk about uh, the vision of Crosswinds Church or something connected to the mission of Crosswinds Church to help us better fulfill and carry out the mission that God has given us. Now, if you want to know what the mission is, you can see it by simply walking in the front doors. It's right on, uh, on the, the wall above the entrance to the doors. Our mission is that we want to be a church that is, com- that is passionate for God, that is compassionate for our neighbors, and reaches our region and beyond with the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. And this morning, we're going to talk about the topic of hospitality. Now, how does hospitality connect with our mission as a church? Let me just tell you that hospitality is essential for us to be able to fulfill our mission as a church. Because it is through the hospitality of God's people that the gospel goes forth. And the hospitality is essential for the evangelization, I can't say this, for the evangelization of the world and for the maturing of God's people in faith. Now, the honest truth, though, is that uh, as American Christians, we don't necessarily um, look at hospitality the way we should. Most of us have over-personalized our relationship with Christ. We talk about, well, Jesus saved me. It's all about me and Jesus. And there's truth to that. But what we miss is that Jesus saves us, but he saves us into a community. He saves us into a body. And then he gifts us with different spiritual gifts and natural gifts to be able to serve one another in the body. And then he commands us to love one another in the body. And hospitality is one of the major ways that we love one another. It's the way we carry out this command to love one another. This morning, as we work our way through the study on hospitality, let me give you the outline of what we're going to do. We're going to start with a definition, so you can have a a working definition of hospitality that we'll use as our touch point throughout the rest of the study. Then we're going to trace our finger through the text and see what the Bible says about hospitality. Uh, I was going to show you some of the the benefits and blessings of hospitality, but I'll probably have to cut that part short because of time. Then I'll come back and I'll show you what is the plan we have here at Crosswinds on the Spirit Lake campus that we're going to use to raise hospitality as a practice amongst us this year. So let's go ahead and take your outlines out. Follow along. I have a number of notes to give to you. First of all, what is biblical hospitality? Hospitality actually comes from a compound Greek word The Greek word literally means love of strangers. It means going out of your way to love people that are not normally part of your friendship group. So with that, let me give you a working definition. I put it in a box for you. Hospitality is treating someone that is not a family member or close friend as an honored guest usually in our home. 
Hospitality is treating someone that is not a family member or close friend as an honored guest, usually in our home. Hospitality means opening up our lives to people that we don't usually spend time with. Hospitality, by the way, is not something that is completely unique to Christians. The ancient world was a very inhospitable place, but you do find many examples of hospitality being shown by non-Christian people. Even today, you find hospitality is something that many businesses have learned to practice. Because businesses have learned they're no longer just selling a product, but they are selling an experience. And they have to make that experience as hospitable and as kind and as generous as they can. And many of you know that when it comes to coffee shops. They're selling an experience. But while hospitality is not something that is unique to the Christian faith, hospitality in the Christian faith is unique. You see, the motivation for hospitality in the world is often profit. The motivation for hospitality amongst us in Christians is the love of God overflowing out of our life. You see, God loved us. God cares about us. God opened his family to us. God went out of his way to seek us and to build a relationship with us, didn't he? Right? Hospitality is us saying, I love you. Us saying, I care about you. Us being willing to open our home and our family to others. Us being able to say, I'm willing to seek you and make you part of my life. So the motivation for Christian hospitality comes out of the gospel. We love because he first loved us. Not profit margin. So that's the definition that we're going to work with. It's loving people who are not our family or our close friends as honored guests, usually in our home. Let's put our finger in the text. What does the Old Testament teach about hospitality? And here we see that hospitality was actually always to be one of the defining qualities of God's people, even in the Old Testament. One verse that shows us this is Leviticus 19, verse 34, and 30, 33 and 34. When a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall not do him wrong. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you. And you shall love him as yourself. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. For I am the Lord your God. God's vision for his people in the Old Testament is that they wouldn't be a people that in their country sort of circle the wagons and uh, become very ingrown and inhospitable to those who were sojourning or, or visiting their land. No, the idea is that they would be welcoming to those who came to visit. They would open their homes and their, their lives to those who came to visit. And in that way, those who were visitors would be able to taste the love of their God by the way they lived their lives. 
So hospitality was to be part of God's people in the Old Testament. What about God's people in the New Testament? As soon as we turn to the New Testament, a, a much sharper picture of what hospitality looks like in action comes completely into focus. The first thing we see is this. Hospitality must be pursued. This comes from Romans chapter 12, verse 13. It says, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Now, to best understand any verse, we always know we look at the context of that verse. Now, in the broad context of what's going on here, in the book of Romans, for the first 11 chapters, Paul was explaining the plan of salvation, how God had gone out of his way to seek us, to love us, to make us part of his family through Jesus Christ. And then he gets to chapter 12, he says, because of what God has done, this is how we should live. This is how we live out the new person that the Holy Spirit of God has recreated us to be. And one of the things he says that the Holy Spirit of God has done in us is he has made us into hospitable people. But it's interesting how he modifies this. Let me make this first bullet point. Hospitality is not something we hope happens. We make it happen. Because he says, seek to show hospitality. We've already covered the definition of hospitality. We know what that means. But this word seek is interesting. Some translations use the word pursue hospitality. What this means literally is that you go after something tirelessly. In classical Greek, it was used of hunting. It was the term that was used of a hound that would chase a fox or a cheetah that would chase a gazelle. It means to be completely devoted to the pursuit of something. That we as Christians are to be completely devoted to the pursuit of hospitality because God was so hospitable to us in opening his family to us. We are devoted to opening our family to others as well. We need to be committed to using our home, using our food to make sure that nobody feels like an unloved outsider in the church, but that everyone feels like a loved insider in the church. Now, today, we did what we usually do, which we did a, a greeting time. And people will say, well, I like when a church does a greeting time because that's a warm and welcoming, hospitable church. Maybe a little bit. But if the extent of your friendliness to strangers and to your own church body ends at the greeting time, we're just way out of line. That is not the biblical picture of hospitality. It is opening up our homes and our lives, bringing people who are strangers into our home. Why do we do this? Because God cared so much about us that he went and sought us down and brought us into his family, so we seek others down and we bring them into our family. And how do we do this? We relentlessly pursue this. 
So many times as Christians, we think hospitality is a nice thing if it happens. But the biblical picture is that we must pursue it and make it happen. Something else to point out for you. It's on the top of the next page is this. Hospitality is not a luxurious extra for some Christians. We see in this verse it's an essential practice for all Christians. Many of us came in this morning thinking that hospitality is like a bonus round. Something you just do if it happens to work. Something if it's just convenient. But here we see that this is a natural outgrowth of our faith. It's an essential outgrowth of our faith, and it's to be practiced by every single one of us. So what happens is when the church is over with and you see somebody sort of hanging out and maybe they're new, say they're a visitor, do you ever have this go on? You're like, I really don't want to invite them over my home. I hope somebody else does it first. And then when nobody else does, you sort of begrudgingly go over and try to act warm and welcoming and hospital. That's not the picture. The picture is we pursue hospitality, and we should be disappointed if someone is able to extend hospitality before we're able to extend hospitality. Because hospitality is such an essential part of our faith. So the first thing we've learned is that as Christians, we must actively pursue it, tirelessly pursue it. Remember, like a cheetah chases a gazelle, that's how we chase meeting and greeting and loving people and having them over our home. The next thing we learn is we go to 1 Peter. We see that God calls us to extend hospitality to one another in the church. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all... Keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Now, I didn't just put verse 9 in there, because I think there's a, a lead-up to verse 9. If you look at the logic of what's going on here, it's very insightful. The first thing we learn as we look at this is the hardest time to show hospitality is often the most important time to show hospitality. Do any of you know or remember the context of 1 Peter? We know that when 1 Peter was written, uh, Christians were either just beginning to suffer or heading into a time of suffering and persecution, most likely under Nero, which is why Peter says, the end of all things that is at hand. You know, that's a negative statement. Things are not going well or easy for Christians in the church. And what happens when our lives start to get stressed? What happens when our lives get to be bumpy? How hospitable are we at that point? Anybody hospitable here? Absolutely not. We rein it all in. We focus on ourselves and we focus on our family. And that's where we stop. But what does Peter say the end of all things is at hand. Be self-controlled, sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Then he says, above all, in this time of difficulty and stress in your lives, keep loving one another earnestly. 
at the time when you feel like you don't want to love other people is absolutely the most important time to go out of your way to love other people. And notice how he modifies this. He says, above all, keep loving one another. Then he says, how do we love one another? Earnestly love one. He's trying to get this point across, right? Things are difficult in your life. Don't stop loving one another, whatever you do. And then, here's where it's interesting. You can say, love one another, and everyone's going to shake their heads, but love is just a mere platitude and actually, until you actually do something to love one another, right? You can tell me that you love me. Show me that you love me. That's how I know. And in that logic of his mind, he extends to say, let me show you what it means to love one another. Show hospitality to one another. Hospitality is showing love to one another in action. So when life is stressful, don't let yourself get to the point where you say, I just want to draw in. I don't want to concern by anything with anybody else or anyone else. Peter says, no, don't brawl in. Keep loving one another. Love one another earnestly. Let me tell you how to do it. Be hospitable. Have people over your home. Share a meal together. That's how you keep loving people. Now, by the way, I don't know if you noticed, but this just destroyed what is our most common excuse for not doing hospitality. Our most common excuse is, life is busy, I am stressed, we can't do it now. And Peter says, when life is busy and life is stressed, that's the most important time to be hospitable people to one another. The other thing it says here is hospitality is to be shown to those we don't usually spend time with in our church family. When I began this study on hospitality, I thought to myself, just off the cuff, well, hospitality is to visitors, right? Somebody we don't know who walks in the door. But then as I was meditating on this verse, it really struck me. It says, show hospitality to one another. We know that hospitality is loving strangers, people who are not part of our family or our friend group. What this is saying is that every Sunday, you and I have people in church that we meet, we shake their hands, but two years could go by, four years could go by, and the relationship has never gone beyond shaking a hand. He says, show hospitality to one another. Go out of your way to take those people who are on the fringe of your relationship group, take the initiative, invite them over your home for a meal. So it doesn't feel like church is a bunch of little small family groups or small cliques, but church actually feels like one big family. Because after a while... Everybody has been over other people's homes. They've eaten together. They've laughed together. They've cried together. They belong together. Now, I have a question. If you were to stop and examine yourself right now, how do you think you feel about hospitality? 
How many times have you invited somebody from church over your home that isn't a family member or a close friend? Many of us, quite honestly, are a little biblically out of step, myself included. And it's always good because the Scripture rebukes us on these things. Something else we learned here. It says, love covers a multitude of sins, but I'd like to just uh, reapply this. Hospitality covers a multitude of sins. Because hospitality is the example of what he says of how we show love to others. And we all know how this works. It happens in the church. It happens in any organization that you're a part of. We all start out in a pretty neutral, neutral position. Then we start hanging out together. And as time goes on, we say things, we do things that sort of maybe hurt, that offend, that irritate other people. I've done that. It's just me, right? We all do that to one another. And what we end up with is relational bumps, bruises, and scrapes. They're not usually fatal wounds, or we wouldn't be here. They're just frustrating wounds that happen between us. And we can live with those, but every time we get into a situation where we're working with somebody, isn't it true that those bruises and scrapes come back to mind? Because we don't have anything else to replace them with. But here's where hospitality covers a multitude of sins. What happens if there's somebody that you know that there's a little bit of relational friction between the two of you in the, the church? And you say, hey, why don't you come over? <laughs> we cooking some lasagna. We're having lasagna for dinner. And that evening you have lasagna and laughter. You talk together. You, you laugh together. You eat together. And you go home. In that relationship between you, what does that person remember from that point forward? The bruises, the nicks, the scrapes, or the hospitality that took place in your home? The hospitality that was like healing bomb on a frustrated relationship. See, hospitality, it covers a multitude of sins. Now, the last thing that he said in here was interesting. He said, offer hospitality without grumbling. And here's my point. Hospitality with a bad attitude, it ruins the meal. It really does. Now, I thought it was interesting here because Peter, we know, was married. Peter had a mother-in-law that Jesus healed. So obviously, he's got a wife in there somewhere. So Peter has tried to offer hospitality in his home. He's gone home and said, honey, we have to be more hospitable. And she has not been a happy camper. And she knows that hospitality takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of effort and it impacts the food budget. And, you know, it's, it's difficult. And for a lot of people, hospitality produces some grumbling. And he says here, when you um, have hospitality and it has grumbling that comes with it, you can completely ruin an amazing meal. I like this verse, Proverbs 15, 17. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fattened ox with, and hatred with it. So better to serve a simple meal with a good attitude than an exotic meal with a bad attitude. Here's the bottom line. When it comes to showing hospitality in your home, please 
Don't stress over it. So many people, many ladies, have developed their idea of hospitality from Cosmopolitan magazine rather than the Bible. They think that hospitality means they have to throw a massive dinner party that is designed to impress people, that is designed to entertain people. So they have to use their most exotic and best recipe. They have to have the house cleaned to the point of complete spotlessness. They have to have every single thing in their home in the right place. So when people walk in, they feel like they're looking at a model home, not an actual home. Peter says, you know, offer your hospitality without grumbling. Don't over-prepare. Don't overstress. Relax. Hospitality is about a simple meal in a normal home with a real family. It's not about impressing. Something else I didn't put in there, but it's, uh, but it's probably worth writing down. Hospitality is not a burden to bear. It's a privilege to cherish. It really is. Ladies, you're somebody who often maybe focuses on hospitality. You need to understand there is an incredible amount of spiritual good and spiritual progress that takes place in people's lives through the simple hospitality you show in your home. I don't have time to get into this, but I, as I was, my mind was going through this I know people who have been introduced to Christ. They were far from Christ. They were invited into a Christian's home, not once, but twice and three or four times. And they were so captivated by the dynamics of the family, they became a Christian pretty much because the hospitality paved the way. I know other people who have made huge steps of growth in Christ. Others have been brought back to Christ simply because not that they were preached at, but they were brought into a normal biblical home with great hospitality that was offered to them. And they spiritually grew because they were able to talk to people in a normal, everyday conversation. So when you think about grumbling, about the burden of showing hospitality, please understand it is a privilege and you do incredible spiritual good in people's lives by eating a meal with them and sharing your home and your lives with them. What we've seen, first of all, in, the, in Romans, hospitality, it's something we just don't let happen. It's something we pursue and make happen, right? Secondly, in 1 Peter, we saw we, saw, we show hospitality to one another. We do it without grumbling. We do it with joy. and it, it covers a multitude of sins. When we get to Hebrews, it goes to the more traditional hospitality we thought of. God calls us to show hospitality to visitors. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. The bullet point is hospitality is one of the best ways to tangibly express our love. Now what I noticed here is there's a real parallel between 1 Peter and Hebrews. 
Hebrews says, let brotherly love continue and then goes into hospitality is an example of what brotherly love looks like in action. Isn't that the same line of, of logic that Peter used? Keep loving one another earnestly. What does it look like to love one another? Show hospitality, Peter said, without grumbling. So the idea is that what does love look like when we put it in actions? We're hospitable to others that are in our church family and we're hospitable to visitors who are not a regular part of our church family. We open our homes and we readily open our lives. And this verse also tells us that hospitality to visitors may carry an unexpected blessing. In this text, he's referring back to Genesis chapter 18. And the story is when Abraham showed some hospitality. Do you guys remember that when we studied the book of Genesis? It ends up there were two angels and another angel who actually turns out to be the angel of the Lord, who is the pre-incarnate Christ. So I'll tell you something. I think Abraham was really thankful that he and his wife showed hospitality to visitors because he ended up entertaining Jesus. Now, to me, that's pretty good. You have a hospitable home. So the idea is here, you never know what kind of blessing may come your way when you take the initiative and show hospitality to strangers. Another point, hospitality to visitors means planning for the unexpected. In 1 Peter, we talked about doing hospitality to one another. People that are not part of our family or part of our close friend group but are part of our church family. Now, that's actually a little bit easier to plan for. I can say to you, um, hey, do you want to come over on Tuesday, uh, 6 o'clock for dinner? Yeah, let's get it on our, our phones and put it together. Easy to prepare for. But hospitality to visitors is a little bit more unwieldy because you never know when a visitor may come across your path. Well, we know that there will probably be visitors when we're at church, what this means is we have to prepare to be able to welcome visitors at church, even to welcome them in our home. Here's what this means. If you're cooking some food, you cook more than your family actually needs. That way, if the Lord brings somebody across your path unexpectedly who is a visitor, you can say, hey, would you like to come over our house for lunch Oh, they say, well, you probably don't have enough food. No, actually, I was planning for it. I prepared for it. We have more than enough for you. And some of you will say, well, what about the extra food if you don't have anybody come as a visitor? Can anybody say leftovers? Hey, they make great lunches. I can attest to that. You know, so it, it actually works out. A couple other things from Scripture we need to know about hospitality. Hospitality, by the way, is a requirement for church leaders. 1 Timothy 3.2, Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, there it is, hospitable, able to teach. And in Titus, it says, For an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or, or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but there it is, hospitable, first on the list of what he's supposed to be, 
a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. Why is hospitality an essential requirement for church leaders? I think, first of all, it's because what we learned in 1 Peter and Hebrews, we learned in 1 Peter and Hebrews that when you genuinely love other people, it shows up by being hospitable towards other people. If you have a church leader that doesn't show hospitality to other people, the reason is is because they don't genuinely love other people. That's not the kind of person you want as your leader. You want a leader who loves the people. Another reason is the speed of the leader is the speed of the team. You ever heard that little saying? People will do what they see the leaders do. They often don't go beyond what they see the leaders do. So if a leader doesn't show hospitality with their home, don't expect the congregation to be showing hospitality with their home. And if a congregation does not show hospitality to one another, in hospitality to visitors, ultimately it means the very experience of church is that it's a very unloving and cold place. Isn't that true? Hospitality is what happens when God's love for us flows out of us. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In other words, we must love people. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. That if we understand the gospel, and the gospel has been packed in our lives, we cannot help but love other people generously and exuberantly, it's particularly one another, our brothers and sisters in Christ. And how does that love show up, according to Peter in Hebrews? What's the tangible way? Hospitality, once again. Hospitality, by the way, is everyone's job, according to the Scriptures. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up the body of Christ. The work of ministry is being hospitable to one another. Now, I, I know it's easy to sit there and say, well, this is the pastor's job. He's paid. That's the church leader's job. They're leaders. Maybe the pastor, he's got a big house, so he should be hospitable. <laughs> Folks, all excuses are off. Hospitality is everyone's job. Now, the only way that Crosswinds Church will be a healthy church, a growing church, a church where people are maturing in Christ is if we love people richly, generously, and deeply. And again and again, Scripture tells us the tangible way that love is often shown 
is our hospitality, opening our homes, and opening our lives to other people. Too many times when I teach, everyone is content to go home with just sermon information. Today must be different. Listen to me. You need to go home with sermon transformation. You have to go home and say, you know what? Up to this point in my life, I maybe have taken the gospel seriously, but I haven't taken hospitality seriously because hospitality must be the outgrowth and natural expression of my love for other people because of how Jesus loves me. Remember, hospitality is not a Christian luxury. It is a Christian necessity. Hospitality is key to the health of the church, and it's key to the evangelization of the world. And if Crosswinds is going to succeed in our mission, we need to be loving, hospitable people to one another and to visitors. And we all, every single one of us, needs to own that. Now, I'm going to skip point seven. I'm going to jump to point eight. What do we have as our plan? What's our plan to pursue hospitality here at Crosswinds this year and make this a special focus? Number one, stay in touch with the regular video teaching on hospitality and friendship throughout the year. Pastor Jordan and I were putting together a number of short video teaching segments on hospitality that you'll get throughout the year to keep us um, focused on this. Because remember, we're supposed to pursue being hospitable to one another. Number two, what I'd like you to do is take out your cards. There's two response cards. Take them out. I'd like you to hold up the one that says personal card in the upper left-hand corner. Hold it out. Come on, everybody, audience response. Thank you. Okay, here's what I want you to do. Hospitality will not change in your life until you set a hospitality goal in your life. I mean... That's the truth. We have to choose what we're going to do differently. So this is your card to keep. But you, and if you're married, your spouse needs to decide when you go home today, what kind of goal do you want to have for opening your home? Once a month, do you want to have someone from the church or a visitor over your home and you want to schedule it? What you do is you literally set aside a block of time like on Thursday night or Friday night in the third week of October, that's where I'm going to have somebody over to try and fill it. Maybe once a month is too uh, audacious of a goal. Maybe for you it's once a quarter you're going to try and open your home. I don't know what it is. I know everyone has a different, different things in their family. But set a goal so we increase our hospitality this year. Keep this someplace in your home where you can see it and go back to it. The other things we're going to do. Number three, join the Crosswinds Supper Club. Now, as soon as I talked food, all of a sudden everyone's like, supper? Anybody say food? Well, this is a chance to literally fulfill what it says in 1 Peter about showing hospitality to one another. This card is one that you can fill out and turn back in to the church office or leave it in the pew. And the supper club is what we will do is we will try to get you with um, 
two other family units. So there's a total of three family units. If you're a single person, you're considered a family unit. If you're a married person, you're considered a family unit. And what the goal is, is once in the fall, one person, one family unit has the other two families over. In the winter, the second family unit has the two families over. In the spring, the third family unit has the other two families over. So you each get a chance to be in one another's home and you just get to break bread together, to be hospitable to one another. Now what you do when you turn this card in, we're going to look at all these cards and we're going to try and put you together with people that you wouldn't normally spend time with. So we increase our relational webbing with one another. Another action point. Point four is the I care team. Now, what's this about? We learned in Hebrews that hospitality is to be shown to, shown to strangers. But the problem is when hospitality is everybody's business, it's honestly nobody's business, right? So what we're putting together is an I care team. If you sign up to be on this team, we're only looking for a commitment of one month during the year. If you're on that team for that month, we want you to be 100% visitor-focused when you're here on Sunday. When you see a visitor, you go up to them and you are welcoming to them. You help them find where the classes are for their children. You offer to sit with them so they don't sit alone. You offer to give them a tour of the church. You offer to introduce them to new people. And you've already prepared. You've already made extra food. So you offer to have them over your home for lunch. And if they say they can't make it, that's okay. Because later in the week, you're still going to call them and just say, hey, thank you so much for coming to Crossman's. How are you doing? Is there anything I can pray for you about? Because everything about what you're doing says, I care. So if you're interested in joining that team, check this box, turn in this card. The last thing I have here, or two more things. One is we put a special page up on our web website called Hospitality Helps. And you can check that out. we just begun putting some things up there. We're going to have all kinds of hospitality helps for you. And the last thing is to join a, a, a life group. You're going to hear more about those in the upcoming weeks. When you came in here, you came in thinking, like most people, that hospitality was a luxurious extra that only some Christians practiced. But when we put our finger in the text, we find that hospitality is what all Christians are called by God to practice. Hospitality to those in the church that we don't know. Hospitality to visitors who are new to the church. And hospitality as Christians is something we tirelessly pursue. God calls us to make it happen. And we pursue hospitality like a fox chases a hound, like a cheetah chases a gazelle. We go out of our way to build relationships with people because God went out of his way to love us and save us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word and the challenge of your word when it comes to this topic of hospitality. I know many of us want to confess that we have lived out of step with your word, that we have become selfish and 
inhospitable people, not using our home for its redemptive purpose. I ask that this year as a church that we would become a very different church, an increasingly warm and welcoming church where uh, there's great spiritual business that takes place between us, not just in these walls, but between the walls of our home as well. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. This has been a presentation of Crosswinds Church. More of Pastor Kurt's sermons can be found online at ChristToOurCulture.com. Thanks for being with us, and may God continue to enrich your life.